0: This episode is a bit of a rant. It arises from repeated comments from players about GURPS, which really irk me, and it begins with this. Sure, says the player when I suggest we play a game using GURPS. I'd be happy to play, as long as I don't have to build a character. Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. want
1: to attack Wah oh oh I wanna come back to the dice Whoa oh 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 I think I need some good advice I need a roleplay rescue oh yeah I need a roleplay rescue oh yeah oh
0: yeah Hello rescuers welcome back and thanks for tuning in I'm a growing fan of the generic universal role-playing system more commonly known as GURPS and published by Steve Jackson Games. As a GM who wants to build rich worlds and aspires towards the romantic goal of running a long-term campaign, I am repeatedly irked by the assertion from players that GURPS is too hard to play. When you dig deeper, and bearing in mind that these are players who are comfortable with many detailed and even complex games, such as basic role playing, Mithras, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, Dungeons & Dragons 3rd and 5th editions, Savage Worlds and Pathfinder, if you drill down to the true barrier to playing with GURPS, the players perceive that it's complicated and too hard to make a player character. And let's be clear. When you explore the question of what is actually hard with these players, they will concede that the game is not actually difficult or complex in the running, at least not with the basic set rules which I currently use. While there are hundreds of add-on titles in the GURPS range, they are all just that. Add-ons, and I use very few of them at this current time. There is nothing hard about GURP's success rolls. Roll 3d6 and seek to score equal to or less than your skill or attribute value. There is nothing hard about GURP's damage rolls. Roll one or more d6 and add the total together, sometimes with an extra 1, 2 or 3 pip bonus. Take off the armour, subtract the leftovers from hit points. And there's nothing particularly difficult, even about GURPS combat. Your turn is one second and you can do one thing. Declare the action, make the success roll. The opponent may try and dodge or parry or block if it's an attack. And if they fail, well, then you roll damage. Aside from using 3d6 instead of, say, D&D's 1d20 or BRP's 1d100, the process is functionally similar. I would suggest that six-sided dice are simpler to use than polyhedral dice, well, at least judging from the difficulties neophyte D&D players have had at the school clubs in which I have been running them. No, GURPS is not a complex or difficult game. But it is a generic and universal game. It doesn't come with a prepackaged world, nor with a bunch of genre conventions, because it can handle any world and any genre. Or, more precisely... GURPS can handle all worlds, genres, and approaches. The GM has a massive toolkit of options, and the challenge, and let's be clear, it's the GM's challenge, not the players. The challenge is to choose their tools and define how this particular game, powered by GURPS, will use or discard the options available. The problem, at least in perception, is with building a character. The problem is with making choices as a player that making choices is hard, and that players are increasingly in too much of a hurry to be bothered with making the effort. This is Season 11, Episode 10, Defending GURPS. Because choosing is hard. When I started playing RPGs, the first character I made was about 80% randomly determined. The game was Traveller and I rolled 2d6 for the main attributes in order. I rolled to see whether I could get into my chosen career and I rolled to see what skill I would gain from one of the three or four tables within that career. But all else was at the whim of the dice. It took maybe 20 minutes at most to make a character. Playing D&D was even easier back in 1981. You rolled 3d6 six times and assigned the attributes. You picked a class, one of a handful of choices, and you rolled for hit points. Everything else was a matter of copying down numbers, such as your saving throws. And it took longer to buy equipment with your 3d6 gold coins than it did to make the actual character. As I graduated onto Rollmaster, which surely no one is going to claim is a simple game to play as a player, the process took longer, but largely because there were more details to record. More attributes, ten of them. More skills, more spells, more choices of gear. Spending the development points on skills, totaling up the percentage points for each of maybe 30 or more skills, even choosing from the 19 classes, well, it just took more time. What you got was more choice and a much more defined sense of your character. This was something I enjoyed, even though at the height of my system mastery with Rollmaster, making a character took an hour. And here's my confession. As I entered into working life and began to feel the squeeze on my time, I got lazy about making characters. There were two reasons for this. Firstly, the games didn't tend to last as long. Back in 1985, we played for four years with Rollmaster in one sprawling campaign, and I had, I think, two characters. But by 2000, most games lasted less than six sessions. Secondly, while well, I was playing after work, I was much more tired and I didn't have the mental energy to invest in my characters. I began to opt for basic tropes. I tend to play either a roguish thief or hunter or a wizard. And most of my characters are basically the same concept with a different name. Asking me to sit down and design a rolemaster character today would be a big ask. Sure, I've forgotten much about the rules, but honestly, it's no more difficult as a game. The problem is not with the game's system. The problem is with me, the player, who has become lazy, jaded and lacks the enthusiasm I once had for this hobby. Rolling 3D6 six times, choosing a class, a weapon, some armour and the same old adventurer's kit list that I finessed about 30 years ago is much, much easier. Perhaps that's why old D&D is so appealing. If the game doesn't last, it doesn't really matter because I can easily knock out another thief or wizard and it doesn't require much imagination to do it. When I played Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay recently, it was a bit of a chore, making the character felt too hard, so I opted to randomly build one using the systems within the 4th edition Warhammer rulebook. I wasn't massively keen on the outcome, if I'm honest, but it didn't matter because the campaign was only going to be five short adventures. Why would I bother to learn the whole game system for about eight sessions? You can, I hope, see the problem. We are much too concerned with getting to playing the adventure and much too lazy, really, to think too long about inventing an interesting character. Or, and I certainly hold this view, we might feel that it's as interesting to create a random character and see what we might do with them In D&D's earlier incarnations, this was fine, because if we didn't like the character we randomly discovered, then it would probably quickly die, or it could easily be discarded. And here we go again, rolling 3D6 six times and making one or two choices. It only took ten minutes. Everything in my gaming has become disposable and transitory, and that led me to feeling bored and jaded. And it almost killed my hobby. This then brings me on to something that I said in a Patreon bonus episode at the end of August 2022. I think I'm just going to play you the clip. Alongside that though, because I've been focused on Girls and I've been diving back through the early editions of the game and getting excited and interested in that, I've also felt quite frustrated by the negativity that I receive about the game. And in most of the people I know around me and people I might want to game with are being increasingly open about the fact that they just don't like that game. I get teased about it quite a lot, um, and and then that's okay, but um, it specifically seems to be around character creation, and it's something that I don't really fully understand as a, a problem, although I have some theories. So I'm going to start with this. I'm going to start by saying that playing D&D behind the screen in Hiraeth revealed something to me about characters, at least in the D&D second edition. Um, And I think this is the same for all editions of D&D, actually. But actually, all the things I realise is when you are the person who creates the characters and the the sheets are in front of you and none of the players see those sheets and you're building characters, the thing I, I noticed is the inherent sameness of all of those characters at least at a system level if you like so for example if I'm creating three fighters and aside from the individual 3d6 or 4d6 take away the lowest uh, dice rolls that you make which gives numbers which in in any edition um, before sort of third edition made not a massive amount of difference actually in terms of the bonuses you get from those stats um, being kind of less important, and you know that you were rolling one d twenty underneath the stat through to the end of second edition uh, for most of those games, meant that you know, one or two points here and there isn't actually that big a deal—a five percent difference. Um, it it was really interesting to me to notice how fundamentally the fighters are all pretty much the same. They they it comes what it comes down to is the equipment chosen, the weapon that the player chooses is actually the biggest thing that makes them different. And it was really interesting to me, it's really strange to me that I noticed that players would um, kind of come along with a bit of a character idea. And what would make the character unique and interesting was how they played it in the session. That actually what emerged from the game was way richer than anything that was designed before the game, which was kind of interesting. And what this led to was a sort of lack of depth in the character before game and depth arising out of play. Um, and and to my mind it suddenly hit me why the trend towards sort of less rules lighter rules why that is more logical is if you've got quite simplistic characters like prepackaged idea like uh, archetypes if you like that you get from the classes that actually are pretty inflexible let's be honest and which don't really give a lot of difference between characters when you have that going on um it's kind of logical that you would think, well, why would I have all this mechan- mechanical detail going on if none of it really does anything in the game, that you would then perhaps go for a simpler game system, which in turn seems to lead to simpler character concepts and sort of drives this trend to really really interesting. I guess the 5e and 3e enthusiasts will be screaming about how their characters have all these different abilities that they can choose from, Um and and that's true to some degree, but I think at first level, uh, a fighter in fifth edition has a choice of three or four, maybe five uh, different kind of little one-off ability things they can choose from. But actually, that's about it, isn't it? You choose your weapons. You you know you're going to go for certain optimum builds anyway, um, probably. And it it it's kind of like a prepackaged range. Now. Where does this relate to GURPS? Well, it relates to GURPS because in GURPS, actually, you, you can use templates, which have kind of been brought into the hobby to allow to speed up things and give people ideas. But at a base level, you can build your character any way you want. And what I noticed is that what people seem to be reacting against is the requirement for you to know what your character is before you play the requirement to actually have thought about that and created a decent and strong concept, and then the need to go and build that with points. Let's be honest, the maths isn't difficult. Adding and subtracting points is something we learned to do in primary school, pre-high school. Um, and I think that it's not fair to say that goat's character creation is difficult. What's difficult is paring down from myriad choices i mean more choices than you can ever have in pretty much any game that i know of pairing that down to what is my character going to be and that requires creativity that requires thought that requires like some kind of clear idea and i think that's what the problem is i think that in our pickup short-lived kind of run around mad um hopping between game system culture in hobby right now The idea of sitting down and designing a character who actually has meaning to you and is, is, you know, important to you is not something that we are necessarily prepared to do. And I realise that I'm just as guilty of that desire to hop from one thing to another and not to kind of commit to something as anybody else. It's not meant as a criticism. It's just an observation. But bringing it back to, you know, what I'm where I'm coming from, I also realise that GURPS players, generally speaking, who, who love that game, and a lot of them are GMs, um, they want to play with everything in the in the kitchen sink from that game system, and I realise that I don't. And I think it's, again, it's this is mismatch of expectations, where I would like to play in a much more grounded world, with lower-powered characters doing, like, having the kind of level of experience of maybe somebody who's really competent within our culture but basically not a superhero and our hobby culture out there is very very different GURPS players I heard I was watching a video the other day where a very very competent um, experienced GURPS GM was commenting how a 150 point character was low points and I was thinking to myself that was the standard set in the fourth edition GURPS rulebook as a sort of good heroic level of play. Describing it as low-powered is not something that I would necessarily go for. It's extremely competent. A person with 150 points would model, you know, the top end of the Navy SEALs level of, of like, you're talking about the very peak of human, real human ability. And um, I don't consider that to be low-powered, you know. but well, maybe it is. In role playing circles, I don't know. So it's interesting to me that people have branded GURPS as this complicated, difficult game, when actually it isn't, and where I feel like the the thing that's missing is like a simple in, like the. The thing that d has going for it and a lot of other games have going for it is there's just these pre-packaged archetypes that you grab and go with with very little thought required, and it means you can get up and down in there and play. And um, I don't know, I feel like, is it fair to say you don't like a game simply because that game isn't doing the thinking for you? So then, what I want from my role-playing games is depth. I've said it for many, many months now. Depth of world in which, as a GM, I can offer the players a rich opportunity to immerse themselves in the other world. In my own play, I want to explore your world and achieve my own other world immersion. I am not interested in the same old pre-packaged settings delivered off the page, and not really interested in short play either. Not really. The exception would be for the GM who has taken an already rich world and is deliberately making it their own. I kind of think of my friend Shandy Andy, who's taken Glorantha and is playing it with RuneQuest, giving it his own spin, bringing himself to the creative table. When it comes to character, I'm interested in depth too. I want to share the experiences of players who are committing to a character for the long term, even if they end up dying ignominiously after three sessions. The commitment to play, and to play for a goodly while, that's what appeals. Whether the character's depth arises from a carefully considered concept, which is rendered before the gameplay begins, or whether it's a randomly generated skeleton of a character whose depth emerges through play, doesn't really matter to me. But what I want to see is the depth in play... At the table. I am fed up with lazy joke-named walking tropes with the same old bag of abilities. I want you to care about your character. I want to care about my character and I want to put those characters through the mill of interesting challenges when we meet to play together. What I want from my role-playing games is depth. Depth requires an investment of effort. It begins with the GM committing to creating and running a deep world it is rounded out by each player committing to creating and playing a character with the intention of becoming deeply character immersed. It emerges from some focused and otherworld immersed play at the table. And so we come back to the challenge of making a character where many choices exist. Choice is hard. We live in a culture where choice is seen very much as a right. But that's largely the big lie. Choice, as a psychologist warn us, can be paralysing. The human capacity for choice optimally lies between five and nine items. Binary choice is often dangerous and risks us losing perspective because there are very few situations in which this or that covers the entire range of nuance. We are innately attracted to threes, as the old English persuasive writing lesson first pointed out to me and termed the rule of three. But seven is the sweet spot for the majority. Some of us can handle greater or fewer choices, so the psychologists suggest five to nine options are optimal. Giving a player the GURPS rulebook and a stash of 150 character points is a really good example of how not to help that player make meaningful choices. When we are overwhelmed, the choices are no longer possible. We will either give up, as is the case for many of my friends, or we will opt for old and familiar tropes, settling for the comfort and safety of what we've always done. The appeal, at least for me, of old D&D is that there are very few choices. Fighter, Thief, Cleric. Wizard, Halfling, Dwarf, Elf. A very short equipment list, actually just roll dice for the attributes and hit points, even the amount of starting gold, those choices are meaningful and sufficient. There is nothing wrong with the game at the point of character creation, as long as we recognise that the depth I seek from play will arise over time from that play. The uniqueness of each player will make the difference given time. By the way, I think we easily overlook this point, and I think we should give it more consideration. Players, each of us, we're unique, and your fighter, while statistically identical to my own, will always play differently because you and I, each of us are unique, and therefore we play differently. Anyway, I digress. The drawback of old d d is that the randomness sacrifices fairness in that each character is formed on a probability curve, if the intention is for long-term play and I roll six times to score very low in many attributes, I might be tempted to feel hard done by. Of course, those attributes make very little difference over the longer term because the combat and saving throw values, which will come up far more often in old d play, well, those are linked to your character level far more than to your attributes. So maybe this is less about so-called system balance and more about perception. GURPS is different. Firstly, the 4th edition removed random character generation, which I personally think is something we might consider putting back in if we're already comfortable with the idea of sacrificing fairness and parity between player characters in order to make creation easier, and I've been experimenting with that quite a lot recently. Even so, GURPS attributes directly link to skills. The success rolls are rolled on a 3d6 bell curve instead of a 1d20 flat progression and so one point of difference is pretty significant every choice we make at character creation is significant but if we don't have system mastery well well this is going to be the barrier listen to what jason had to say in response to my earlier clip
2: ha jason here just listen to well now the episode's disappeared your latest episode updates and i don't know you're about to go back to work And you talk about GURPS and all that. I think part of the thing with GURPS, I know for me personally, and I can only speak for for Jason, but for me personally, part of it's a system mastery or, more importantly, the lack of system mastery. I think when when there are so many options, people lack confidence in being able to build a competent character. Same thing to some degree with Savage Worlds, where you have so many edges and so many hindrances, And it's, you know, oh, I've got all these I've got to go through and figure out what's the best combo and what's the, you know, and I think the more there is to that, and GURPS, course, has the same kind of thing, that I I think there's a a lack of confidence. And I think that's also an issue with point-build systems compared to a random system. With a random system, you don't have to worry about confidence because it's random. (laughs) For point-build, did I do it right? Did I do this Right. And I think that's a, I'm not saying that's everybody's concern. I know for me, that's one of my concerns and one of the reasons I, I kind of would rather go with the random system. Um, but I, I've enjoyed the GURPS games fine. I, I just don't, and I would definitely happily play in a, you know, what you're calling a lower power GURPS game with you. The Like I say, my issue, my personal Jason's issue is the lack of feeling competent with the system mastery to correctly create a character. And to follow up on that, what I find interesting, I agree with you. A lot of people do like to have that emergent play to figure out the character as they go um, to, you know, give them personalities, all that kind of thing. Because I think we can agree when you're playing one of these other games, be it D&D, whatever, your characters, you know, once people kind of get their feet under them, they can be just as complicated a character as any as any game. You don't need game mechanics to have personality in a character, and I know you're not saying that you do.
0: Big thanks to Jason there, and for the dogs. It sounds to me like one answer lies in reducing the field of choice. GURPS templates attempt to do this, although the layout in print is something which is not necessarily easy to decipher if you're a neophyte, and... Doug Cole's recent Delvers to Grow booklet designed for the Dungeon Fantasy roleplaying game, which is powered by GURPS, this takes it a step further, breaking templates into sort of smaller chunks. Let's give the players some recognizable tropes to choose from, keeping the list to fewer than nine items. Another solution though might be to reduce the number of choices by simply reducing the number of character points available. One hundred and fifty points is potentially one hundred and fifty choices, although it's not because you know one point of dexterity or intelligence costs twenty points a pop. But with fifty points, players have fewer choices to make. Some items are outside the cost range, and more generally, there are simply far fewer choices needed. A third solution might be to ask the player to conceptualize a character and then build it for them, a commonly encouraged approach for neophyte players because it takes the requirement for system mastery out of the equation. It's an approach that can work if A, the GM knows the game well enough, which personally I don't feel is true for me, and B, if the player doesn't mind trusting the GM to build something reasonably optimal. Some players are, it seems to me, finickety about optimising their character builds with GURPS. A fourth solution might be to lower the power level of the game. Mundane advantages, no powers, no magic, no psionics, bringing the range of choice back towards the human norm. Leaning into the realistic baseline of Gerps, might help new players to grasp what their characters can actually do. If what our character can do is within our own human experience, then it's easier to understand what they can do during play. But the best solution might lie in doing several of those things at once. Just because I say my game will be powered by Gerps does not automatically mean that I'm offering a 400-point Gerps action game with magic, psionics, and superpowers in a wildly variant alternate history world featuring, say, Nazis and dinosaurs. Yes, I can build that kind of game with GURPS, but that's only because it's truly a generic universal role-playing system. My taste runs to low-powered, grounded worlds where human characters have human abilities. I prefer worlds with fewer superheroes and more characters who achieve great things in spite of the odds. I'm talking about 50-point characters with few supernatural or exotic abilities, and there's nothing stopping me giving you a simple template to base your character from if you just need a simple concept to begin with. As Jason said, we generally enjoy seeing how the character emerges from play. And failing all that, if we really do fancy a 150 points game with Magic and Psyonix, then the templates are a little too esoteric for you to grasp, then why not just tell me your concept so I can go build something for you? I mean, if we can't trust each other, why are we playing together in the first place? In the final analysis, I really don't think the problem is with GURPS. I think the challenge lies in finding players who are willing to commit to play I'm willing to put in just that wee bit of effort in creating an interesting character. It's a big ask, but I think it's necessary for what I, at least, want to achieve in my role-playing games. I am asking for commitment to the long term, both from myself, which I do not have a great track record on, and from each player. But if I build this rich, deep world, then I want to know that the players are going to be there to explore it. And more than that, if you're going to play one character for more than six or eight sessions, then I think you owe it to yourself to put in a little bit of effort and build a character you would actually enjoy immersing yourself within. That's the end of my rant. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. in a moment a couple of call-ins on the subject of GURPS which I'm fully aware will cause us to overrun by about another 10 minutes or so but they're really good calls as you know I do love to hear from you so if you've got a question then please hop over to speakpipe.com slash roleplay rescue where you can leave a 90 second message alternatively you can hop over to the blog at roleplayrescue.com and press the button on the top right it takes you straight to speakpipe I'll stick the links in the show notes Now, today I have a lovely bunch of messages from Barry, the GM shadow himself, from the Shadow of the GM podcast. And he's responding to the earlier clip you heard in this episode from the August patron-only bonus episode. And unsurprisingly, it's all about GURPS.
1: Hi chat. it's Barry here from the Shadow of the GM podcast, just ringing in really to talk about your most recent episode, your bonus episode on updates and agency, uh, mostly about the GURPS stuff because, you know, I play a lot of GURPS and so obviously <laughs> it always gets my attention when we start talking GURPS. Um main thing I want to talk about, I guess, first of all, was about the 150-point characters. I think if you'd asked me about a year or so ago, I would have also said 150-point characters were low-powered. Now, I think that perception comes from playing things like Dungeon Fantasy RPG, where you're playing 250-point characters, forgetting that those are actually really high-powered. They're more like 5th-level, even d d characters. Let's not even talk about how powered maybe d characters are in 5th edition at 1st level. Anyway, um, and I think there's a perception there for that 150 is quite low-powered because you can't do the cool things that those 250-point characters can do right off the, the get-go. What has kind of changed that a bit is, A, the Prime Directive game we play together, where I think that was 150 points, maybe 125. And I am currently running a Deadlands game at 150 points. In my word, those characters are very competent. They, When it comes to a gunfight, they are dropping people like no one's business and really kind of getting in there and shaking things up. And so I think that's really opened my eyes. 150 is actually still quite a competent level from a group's point of view, not really low-powered as such, even though the perception might be there. So, yeah, I guess it's the first thing I really want to try and say. I guess the second thing I want to talk about was character creation. And I mean, I guess I'm mostly, I mean, the fact to play groups and run it pro suggests I would agree with you that I don't think the character creation is as bad as people say. Um, I guess the only thing I would add to that is that I, although people cite the maths and the points as the reason why they don't like the character creation process in groups, I think you probably kind of hit it a bit more on the head by it's not so much the doing the mathematics behind it because it isn't especially with fourth edition compared to third it's not that complicated really to, to balance those numbers up but there is a lot more choice when you build a character and a lot more i want to say a cognitive load so essentially you know if you're doing as we know if you do dnd and some other games like that you just roll a few dice make a couple of odds like you know a few selections here and there and you're kind of done it's fairly quick it's clearly dirty and there's a lot of players out there who they don't want to spend the time as you said kind of investing in character creation so they're not They're not really in it to spend a long time really kind of refining a character they're going to play, especially if it's a short game. So if they want to just do one shots or really short kind of campaigns they're not necessarily invested in making these more complicated more in-depth characters really thinking about who their character is and what they're about and they're picking advantages and disadvantages that match it um and then also trying to make them competent and again if they don't understand the system it's there so i think it's that cognitive load thing it's about how much effort they're willing to put into character creation and as you said you know you have situations where you're kind of the same and i'm I'm as guilty of that some games um as i am in, in other ones um, although i do like it in groups because i do enjoy making those in-depth characters I guess to put some sort of context around that statement, I'm playing two play-by-post games at the moment, uh, well actually three, and in the AD&D one, for example, I just rolled up a character, picked them as a ranger, um, made a few choices around, you know, armor and stuff, but really I haven't really thought much more about the character than that. It's like, again, the character's starting to emerge through play as some sort of idea about who he is, what he looks like, what his interests are and stuff, but really there wasn't an awful lot of thought put into it, which is kind of what I wanted. I wasn't really looking to play... A game where I put a lot of thought into who the character was. Uh, OSC game that I play with Rob is kind of the same. I've got a dwarf called Vili, but no real thoughts about where he comes from, what he's about, anything like that's not really in there. Um, Currently starting a boot hill game that play by post up that Jason's going to be running, and I've rolled up the character and got some, you know, made some ideas about them. But I'm kind of really struggling to put the time and investment into who he is, etc. I don't know why at the moment. But again, it's that thing where it's not really. I wasn't really thinking too much, but I want to play boot hill. I'm not really thinking about what character I want to play boot hill. Might sound strange, and so I guess if you go into games with that mindset, then grips would kind of put you off because there is that element of how much effort you want to put into building a character. If you haven't really got the idea, you just want to sit down and play a game and roll some dice, you're not really thinking about who that person is that you're basically role-playing through. And it might sound odd for a role-playing game to take that kind of perspective, but I guess this is sometimes the gaming, socialising aspect of it more than the role-playing aspect, which might be coming through a little bit with that. Hopefully not do too many messages, so I'm not rambling on too much in this one. Um, What I like about GURPS... Is and it was something I think Steve Jackson picked up when he first did it, was it was kind of first and foremost designed as a role-playing game. I know a lot of players really get into the combat and the tactical combat, but if you think about how character creation works and how deadly some weapons are at certain levels, it kind of really, to my mind, wasn't made necessarily to focus on the combat. It was a lot of stuff around social stuff. You think about the reaction roles, also social engineering stuff. You know, the skill system kind of really lends itself to more than just basically combat i mean i guess there's a question there about does it really promote role playing versus rolling the dice playing because you have ability levels for skills and stuff but you know i think that's true of any system you're always going to break it one day or another people talk about D D, but again if you're going to do an ability check role it's kind of the same as having a skill in some ways you know it does kind of still end people rolling the dice but i think with the advantages and disadvantages it really kind of pushed for the idea that you've got things that you pick for your character that you then role play if you look at things like the self-control role the rules do say things like you know don't make a self-control role nine times out of ten of your characters in a situation where the disadvantage comes into play you kind of want you encourage your players to just lean into that disadvantage for the point of your role playing so to me that's kind of what i like about groups in that sense that it kind of really pulls that element in the idea that you have know, actually built a character with all these like you know cool things but also these flaws and the idea is to kind of play those flaws to make an interesting game really it's make those flaws part of the interesting encounters that you have in your game sessions hi Jay Barry here again I know I said I wasn't going to call you again but this is about something different I think I want to go back to you talking about agency in games just to say that it really drives me up the wall in games where you don't have agency. I mean there will be some sessions where I'm kind of backseating it a bit say perhaps and maybe I've got a lot going on and I'm going for the game for the social aspect so I will not mind as much the railroading kind of aspect but I'm with you that I don't like necessarily the idea that you know if you go into a session you wouldn't have control wherever you go I think I design my own adventures it's harder with pre-generated ones to have it much more open about you know these are the possible things you can do and let the players really decide and the players will often actually go for the, the main sort of hooks you put in front of them but I think giving them that ability to choose to do something different is a lot more rewarding for them and it's a lot more interesting as to where the story goes and how that play kind of evolves I think if you have that kind of very railroaded almost you know, this is the plot, and you're going to move to scene A to scene B. We talked about it in the interview with Alexandria, and, you know, you can have those nodes, but it's very much if you're forced from one to the other by this sort of NPC deus ex machina, basically, you're forced to go to those places because that's just where the, you know, NPC is making you go. I can get how that would feel quite frustrating in a way and quite limiting, especially if you've gone in with it. And, I mean, I think it's not fair to say it was just you. I mean, obviously, as a player... The GM ought to have a conversation about, well, this is what the adventure is going to be, this is kind of how it's going to happen, and it's going to be a railroad in you having that foresight beforehand to then say, well, maybe I don't want to play in that game then because I don't want to be railroaded into these situations. And if you choose not to drop out at that point, I guess then it is your fault.
0: I hope that today's show has been useful or at least interesting big thanks for listening and i hope you'll join us again next time thanks to jason Connolly and barry gm shadow for the call-ins today please keep the questions coming thanks to the roleplay rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpg rescue thanks also to john from tale of the manticore for the show music that's it for now please stay safe and hopefully we'll talk again very soon My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on.